Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Two quick things. Remember, download the app and share it with your friends. You'll have access to all of our station's content. And hey, if you like what Joe and I do, you could uh, follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. Today is one of my favorite kind of conversations because most of the time at the front line with Joe and Joe, you'll all know this out there at Veritas. Um, we're, we talk with a lot of authors, those who have written really great books, uh, Catholic books. Uh, we talk about different topics. Today, we get to talk about movies. And Joe Rasinello, you know me, I'm a movie guy. I can talk about movies for hours. Now, there's a great one out there right now. And the title of the movie is Nefarious. Now, you don't have to be Catholic to watch the movie. Okay, If you're a Christian, if you believe that there are there is evil in the world, that there is actually a devil who is the enemy of our souls, you need to go out and watch this movie. So Joe and I are very proud and honored to be welcoming to the program writer, producer, and directors of Nefarious, uh, Corey Solomon and Chuck Konzelman. Guys, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Uh, thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. It's our pleasure. So this is going to be a great conversation. We're going to get into a lot about this movie. Like I said, Joe and I, were both blown away. But uh, to start it all off, I'm going to hand it over to Joe. We'll start with a prayer. We always uh, start with a prayer to Our Lady. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O oh, most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided, inspired by this confidence. We fly unto you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, for you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother, the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency hear and answer us, amen. 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 the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Well, we were talking before we went on live, and uh, we're all from Jersey, so we know what disco fries are. We know what Taylor ham, egg, and cheese is. We know the hot grill off of Route 46. We know many good things, the four of us, so this is going to be a great conversation. Um, we'll start with the film. Okay. It's a battle between evil and human souls. As a Catholic, we believe in this. This is a perennial teaching of the church. Um, sadly, the world doesn't, in my view. Is that why you made the film? Let's break it down. I mean, uh, uh, you know, we made the film because the Lord called us to do it. Um, at first, we resisted because we didn't see where he was going with it. And I know that he's not supposed to give us his, uh, you know, he's not. Uh, it's not obligated for him to tell us what he's doing. He just tells us to do it. And we really do mean that he, he guided us constantly to it. You know, we would wander off and do something. He'd pull us back. But, you know, God's timing is impeccable. It's perfect. And uh, the same way when we did on plan, two years later, Roe v. Wade was thrown, overthrown. And I feel that a lot of that was because of unplanned, uh, God willing, that it's the same reason we came out now. Because I think if you're a person and you come out of your house, I think your listeners would agree, 
there's something wrong in the air. I mean, literally, there's something wrong in society and the world. It's dark. It's there's something off. And that is evil because evil is becoming frantic. And the reason we did the movie was to point out to people that God is not your enemy. The enemy of mankind is the devil. And he's real. And look around at what's happening right now. Pay attention, boys and girls. You know, the Lord is separating the wheat and the chaff. And, uh, you know, we think it's really important that people realize you have an adversary. You have an enemy. 24-7, 365, he's after you. There is a brilliant, malicious intelligence bent on the destruction of your soul. You know, every, every person comes into this world with two places reserved for them, one in heaven, one in hell. And we've kind of forgotten that. And so at some point, you're going to make a choice. You know, we must be complicit in our own damnation. Uh, so, you know, if we're not careful, that's where we wind up. And so this is just a reminder. It's kind of scared straight for believers that there is there is a demons do exist. They are bent on your destruction and you ignore them at your peril. Well, Carrie, let me ask you this. Um, you know, there's, there's, you know, in history, of course, you know, you've had people who've had theories of history. Hegel had his dialectic. Marx looked at it as, you know, the battle between the, you know, the rich and the poor. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, number 409, has it spot on. Your movie, to me, reflects that paragraph of the Catechism. Just to remind our listeners out there, the Church proposes that all of human history is a battle between man and the forces of evil. And with God, and I'm paraphrasing, but with God's grace, all right, um, and you could get through it. You you struggle through it with God's grace and find your own inner integrity. That's human history. Carrie, help me out, and then Chuck. Why are people so reluctant to understand that? And as Chuck said, you only have to go look out your window to go see what that that statement, that view of history, is absolutely true. I mean, I think it's. Uh... I think there's two or three reasons. Obviously, look, if you're in battle against someone, they they fight to win. You know, in World War II, the Germans wanted to win. They didn't just say, oh, we're just doing this because we have nothing better to do. So they make plans. They make machinations. They they do deceit, lies. They propaganda, everything. And, and the devil controls propaganda in the United States and in the world. He controls the media. Uh, I was watching something the other night. It was horrifying. It was all the news channels. And this guy put together every news channel on one day all across the country, and they were every single person was saying the same exact thing. The well, same. well, how can, to the word, how can that happen? Well, because we have an enemy who's smart enough to realize that the media matters, entertainment matters, that if you can control and propagandize, just like Hitler, Stalin, Lenin, they all said the same thing. If I can control the movies and TV, I can control the world. You know, it's more important than a battalion of tanks. And I think that's the first thing. I think the second reason is because if you look at America especially, we, we've gotten so boastful of ourselves, our vanity, our pride, which of course is the first sin. We think we're smarter than everyone. We think we're smarter than, there's nothing out there that can be smarter than us because we've conquered this, we've gone to the moon, and we don't realize that the demonic intellect is so far beyond us. It manipulates us. The third thing is pleasure. I mean, the bottom line is, look, uh, most Americans probably get 10 or 20 extra pounds. You know, you sit on the couch, you watch a football game, you go to a movie on the weekend, you know, you go out to the bar, you get a drink, whatever it is, right? We, we have a pleasurable life. We're not looking for food. We're not looking for water. We're not having to go hunt, you know, our game. And so when you get this pleasure, and let's not even account for all the sin that's distracting us as well, we've had our eye taken off the ball. 
cell phones, iPads, TV, movies, uh, uh, you know, uh, skiing, uh, racquetball. I mean, there is not 20 seconds. Most people begrudgingly go to church on a Sunday for one hour. I mean, imagine being in front of Jesus and he says 168 hours in a week and you were fighting me for one hour. It's That's your problem. Your problem is that the devil has filled our lives with all these distractions and all these pleasures. I mean, you would think he would do the opposite, you know, torture us and do all that. That's coming when he gets in control completely. So I think that that's, that's the main problem for for the world. Yeah, well, I'm just echo. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I just, uh, just real quick, guys, for those of you who are just joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, we're joined by Carrie Solomon and Chuck Konzelman, and we're discussing the new movie they have written, produced, and directed, Nefarious. Just real quick, guys, before we continue, let our audience know, where's the best place they could watch the movie? Because I understand it, it, it's on fire right now, correct? Yeah, it, it's hot. Um, you know, it's in theaters. Unfortunately, we're fighting a battle of suppression. The devil is very good at what he does. We're doing tremendous numbers, but they keep lowering our screens, which is unexplainable. Uh, but you can go to a Fandango. You can go to any movie theater, you know, hopefully any movie theater. There's a in couple your- hundred theaters left showing it. And June 2nd is our big debut on premium video on demand. So that'll be on iTunes. Uh, and, you know, all, all the, you know, awesome. that's, that's the place to, to go at that point. And then we'll be in wider home video release middle of the summer. Awesome. Carrie, you were about to uh, comment on what Chuck said. Good. You, you could do. Yeah, uh, just the devil overall. Is, there's this tremendous distraction. We believe as a society, we're obsessed with what we believe is a cultural war. And it's not. That's an East versus West kind of thing. It's North versus South, really. It's it's good versus evil. And our eye has been taken off the ball completely. And, and the devil's just laughing at that one. And, and, and the church, and by the church, I mean the, the, the church of believers beyond the Catholic church, but including the Catholic church to a certain extent, uh, Christian believers have been sucked up into this. And to a large extent, the churches have become so obsessed with social justice that they've forgotten that their primary purpose is to lead people to salvation. You know, there, there's nothing to be, there's, we don't, we're not arguing against social justice. That's part of our duty and our obligation as Catholics, as believers. But the primary duty of the church is the spread of the gospel and teaching people to adhere to the gospel to usher them safely into heaven at the end of this little experiment called life on earth. Absolutely. Joe Resinello. I want to get into the film. Um, in the film, it's basically a conversation between two people. You have a psychiatrist and you have a gentleman who's on death row. Edward, who's possessed by Nefarious, and Dr. James Martin, who is the psychiatrist. How did you craft uh, Nefarious? Because Cardinal Burke, who is someone we highly respect, many people in the Catholic world know who he is, he gave the thumbs up on the film, much better than Siskel and Ebert when you get Cardinal Burke to give the thumbs up. Clearly, I mean, he's a very gifted man intellectually. Um, How did you craft that figure? Because I mean, as a lay person, I'm fairly well read in the church. I also thought it was very, very, very theologically based. I mean, where did you get your references? How did you build that character? I mean, I think that, uh, you know, we pray before we do anything. Like I said, originally, we weren't 
we fought for a little while and we go through this process. We wrestle with God. And then eventually when we start to go down, you know, we, every day we would pray. We tried to do confession as many times as we can, adoration, mass, all these things. Uh, and, you know, but when you sit in a room across from each other, you know, we pray. And as we pray before the scene, spirit comes in. Look, we're two guys from Jersey. The dialogue in that movie, you know guys from Jersey didn't write that. Okay, that was the Holy, <laughs> that was the Holy Spirit. That doesn't sound Jersey at all if you see that movie. Okay, so, uh, so you know, it, it really is. And I know that sounds like a trite answer, you know, that God did this and God did that. But I really will tell you that if you really look at what's happening across the country with this movie, I mean, we have people being saved. We have people being diabolically free. We have people make, coming to the church. Uh, it's unbelievable. And and it, and the performance by Sean Patrick Flannery, and this is uh, all the actors. He was, he was, he was, he blew, I, I'm, I'm just full disclosure. Um, I'm an actor from back in the day. I've been, I've been a movie guy my whole life. I watched that performance. I was absolutely blown away. That is a difficult performance. That's, you know, some, you know, you guys know as well as I do, certain roles are, are easier to play than others. That was a difficult part. And that dude was phenomenal. That yeah. Your movie's but, worth it on, on just that one level, just to watch his performance. Totally agree. And if the world was a fair place, he'd win the Academy Award. Ironically, they won't even, uh, we're going to put him in for a nomination. We're putting him in for a nomination. But the bottom line is that they'll never do it because of the subject matter, you know, pro-church and pro-conservative and all that, and pro, you know, I mean, it's a Catholic movie. And by the way, I'd just like to say to your listeners, when you see the poster, I know that scares uh, most Catholics, most people in the church, most people. We did that as a Trojan horse. Explain what I was talking about with the, uh, the Trojan horse. Idea. Yeah, sure. We wanted to we wanted to appeal potentially to the mainline horror audience, particularly the 14 to 29 year old males, and we gave them a poster that they could potentially relate to because they're obsessed with this demonic satanic the demonic, garbage, the right? Stuff. So it's a demonic kind of looking face. Now here's a little here's a little secret: the guy who actually did that poster, Jason Pearson, is the guy who did the poster for the Passion of the Christ. He's a, he's a very <laughs> gifted art, artist. Oh he, wow! Right. So he knew exactly what he was doing and why he was doing it. And so at one level, the post is very effective, but with believers, you know, with the, with the little old lady who goes to church, you know, three times a week and she's 70 years old, she sees that poster, she runs out the door screaming. Well, honestly, I wouldn't have gone to the movie if I didn't make the movie. And if I saw the poster, that's not the kind of movie I would go to. But we we felt compelled to bring the non-believer into the audience because that's who we have to reach. Look, if you're a Catholic, you should have your act together basically, hopefully, right? I mean, you might fumble and stumble and fall and maybe run the wrong way on the football field occasionally, but the bottom line is at least you got something going on, but most of the world has nothing going on spiritually. And so we use that poster to get them in there and then show them the truth. Once you unleash the truth, and we're the movie is doing phenomenally well with under 18s. Yeah. which is exactly what we wanted. Yeah. Now, so, but the movie poster, unfortunately, and they slammed us with an R because basically, and this, look, you see worse on TV. They're like, uh, like Joe said, they, I mean, there's not, there's two guys in the room here. Yeah. How do you get an R rating? Okay. But, but because it's politically no motivated, sex, no, no sex, no, language. no vile language, no, you know, the, I mean, yes, the execution scene a little bit, you know, but come on. I mean, there's uh, NCIS, the same thing. You know, right. but so it's truth. We wanted to bring them in for truth, to show them the truth. God is real. The devil is real. Evil is real. And so is good.
Let's stay there for one second. I got a question I want to throw out there to you. If you're just joining us, we have Chuck Konzelman and Carrie Solomon. They are the writers, producers, and directors of the new movie, Nefarious. Please, everybody, um, everybody, please go out there and watch this movie. Go and, go and view it. Um, you're, talk about, you, you mentioned the devil exists. There's a great line that, uh, that the main character has. That that I I, I kind of was like I, I took a like a little jump back when he looks at the psychiatrist he says I'm the most rational being you've ever seen I think I got that line right that's what he says talk about that talk about people not only believing in angels they don't they don't believe in demons they don't believe in angels the fact is they exist but they are supremely more intelligent than we are and again Sean Patrick Flannery he delivered it perfectly I believed he was that guy. You know, and the way he said, I want you to talk a little bit of comment on that line, because I think that that's an important line for human beings, as you said, to realize not only do they exist, they're really, really smart and they'll kick your butt if you don't watch out. They really will. And and, and that's part of the core of that character was just absolute. He's brilliant, but he's he's completely malicious, he's completely devoid of grace. So all of the intelligence which he would have had as a, an unfallen or pre-fallen angel, he still retains all of it. So now what happens, ironically, is he knows every word of scripture. He knows it cold. There's sort of two lines that function in tandem. The one is, I am the most rational being you will ever meet. And the other is he, and he's annoyed at the psychiatrist. He says, I know more theology than any human being who has ever existed. And he does, but he hates it. He's on the other side of the mirror, so he knows everything about God, but he hates all of it, because by virtue of his choice for evil, he's been divorced from good. And, you know, there was a there was a real-life exorcism uh, where they got to the point—this is not in the film, but there was a real-life exorcism where they got to the point where the priest can compel the demon to talk honestly— the demon has to speak honestly at a certain point when the priest gains power. And the priest in this exorcism asked, what's the worst part about being a demon? And the demon answered, always, always, never, never. In other words, his damnation was complete, total, forever, and without any recourse or right of appeal. And they hate human beings in part because we're partly responsible for their fall, but also by the by God's grace, we can be forgiven and they can't. And in the film, because the demon has all this knowledge and this and the and the shrink is an atheist, at a certain level, the demon thinks he's an idiot. He, he's just like all of this creation. Well, uh, in comparison, intellectually, of course he's an idiot. You know, we're not supernatural creatures. I mean, a demon, this is an angel. What people don't understand is it's an angel, total knowledge and the ability to bring it forward. Multiple, every language, every spoken, bam, just go right into it. Every piece of data through the history of the world, unlimited knowledge. Oh, okay. People today are impressed when an IBM computer beats a, the top chess player in the world easily. That's a computer. Take that and times it by a million, and that's a demonic angel, okay? Computers are the stone age for, an, for a demonic being. And so what we have to realize is, you know, Hollywood has made fun. It said supernatural, you know, it, it and so we've become complacent with it. We don't, But the Bible is very specific on supernatural, that there is a hell. There are angels. There are demons. Jesus talks about all of it, okay? And so we, we, we tend to become 
uh, desensitized. Look at the violence that's going on in America now. What the devil has done amazingly well, slow desensitization, the desensitization. Uh, desensitization. I'm from Jersey. I can't pronounce it. It's all good. <laughs> four, I, four letters and I'm done. But uh, but so what I'm saying is, I mean, you got to remember this enemy. This enemy is not your simple. And the reason, by the way, is just not to wipe us out is because the Lord will not let him. Okay, so the bottom line is that we have to go through this struggle and realize we have an enemy. And that's the first part of any battle. Look, if you don't know, if you're in a business with someone and you don't know that somebody is against you in that business, he's slowly going to destroy your business and eventually take you out. That's exactly what's happening. Well, also in yeah. battle, every, every, every nation at war spends a lot of its resources trying to deceive its opponent. Trying to keep them from figuring out what's really going on. Well, the devil's a pretty smart general in that. There's a reason he's called the father of lies. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. want to explore that because in that that conversation, Martin, the psychiatrist, you kind of develop him as like, I went to Johns Hopkins. I'm super smart. I am super smart. That's how the world approaches not just the demonic, but anything it tinkers with. It approaches that in the view of the church, you're idiots. You're idiots for praying the rosary. You're idiots for praying to a God that allows X, Y, and Z in the world. And I love the fact as their relationship kind of moves forward in the film, you clearly see who's in charge. You clearly see who is the idiot. And who is not? And I think Joe, that's a great, 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 like, back and forth. Really. Joe, just to piggyback on that, and I love your comments, along the lines of what you're saying, I remember when Father Carapi used to say, you're getting a ring with the devil, he's going to wipe the, He's gonna wipe the floor with you. He's going to yep. wipe the floor with you. That's a, what you said, Joe, reminded me of that. Guys, love your comments on that. Well, I, I would just say also, I mean, you got to remember, uh, this is the story, his history, his story, right? Jesus' story. This is the story from the beginning of time. The struggle is going to go on till the end of time. We just have to realize it. And unfortunately, there will be a lot of people intellectually who think they're superior. Like I was saying earlier, vanity, pride, right? Like Joe just said, we approach everything with our intellect. It, you know, that's why science is more important than religion and in these people's minds. Well, you know what I noticed when I became a Catholic, because I'm a convert, Chuck was from the cradle, but I, I converted in like 97, 98. What I noticed is that I'm noticing that the Lord chooses peasants. He chooses poor people. He chooses the not so smart people, the person who can't speak perfectly with a stutter. And all of a sudden that person walks into a town and starts preaching the gospel and everyone is paying attention or he raises the dead or he uh, heals someone. If it was the other way around, you'd have guys in three-piece suits walking into villages and doing that kind of same thing, right? It's not that way. Peter, I I love Peter. When you look at Peter in the Bible, you know he was a bull. You know he knocked everything off the shelves. You know he had a temper. You know he was a big dude. He was probably from Jersey. They just changed the name, right? <laughs> I mean, the bottom line is Peter is a Jersey guy. I mean, my goodness, this is, you know, he would have grown up in New York, right? He was a fisherman. He used his hands. He was a construction worker, right? And here, out of nowhere, the creator of the universe says, you're my guy. I'm going to build my church on you. He didn't say, I'm going to build it on the smartest guy. He didn't say that. First Pope right. was, he wasn't smart at all. What he was is he had heart. He was fierce. And he could love the Lord. And that really is the basis, uh, I mean, 
of the understanding of why the lesser people, the Lord says, I don't choose, the, he doesn't choose the wealthy and the strong and the powerful. He's never done that. He takes those that are forgotten and forsaken. He doesn't choose the qualified, he qualifies the chosen, as has been said. Right. One line I loved in the movie is when the farrier says, yeah, when the carpenter chose that pathetic fisherman. I'm like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that, that pathetic fisherman kicked your butt. <laughs> Guys, you got to ask you this. Uh, we're troublemakers here at the front line with Joe and Joe. We, we don't hide that. Okay, so your character's name, the psychologist, is James Martin. Uh, any significance to that that you want to impart to uh, our audience? <laughs> um, uh, of course not. Uh, uh <laughs> That's as far as we can my, go. My middle name is Martin, and I always hated it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, all right, all right, all right. So we, like I said, we don't we want to get you in too much trouble, Joe. We got one, we got time at least for to start a question before the break. I want to talk about the priest. I think there's so much to unpack here. He comes in. Nefarious is dominating the conversation with a brilliant man. Guy went to Johns Hopkins. He's dominating the conversation. He's immediately terrified. But then the priest, a couple things. One, the priest has a collar, a new age collar. I noticed that immediately. It's not like your standard collar. Second thing, he asks him, do you believe, I'm paraphrasing, do you believe in demons? He's like, no, the priest. He immediately relaxes, immediately relaxes. He sits down. He's like, now I'm in control. Talk about that. I picked well, it up immediately. I thought it was great. Uh, good. We, yeah, I mean, we've all been through. Uh, I grew up in. I went to Catholic school in the '60s, grammar school, you know, and it was the the era. It wasn't even kumbaya; it was some other weird thing. So I think we've all been through the church long enough. We realize that there are kind of three rights. There's the Latin right, there's the Novus Ordo right, and there's the suburban right. And uh, this is a priest of the suburban right. He's he's culturally sort of a priest, but he he does not. He, even though he's been anointed, uh, he does not carry the power and authority of Jesus Christ into that room. And that's what the demon is initially afraid of. He's afraid of real believing priest with the power and authority to cast him out or hold him bound to loose it a bind is going to come into there and start calling down the thunder. And it becomes clear very quickly that this priest will not do that. Well, we did this intentionally. You know, the rainbow scarf is obviously saying he's a progressive, he's a liberal, he's, you know, believes in the all, soul, the thing, yeah. all the thing, all, all the things of the world, number one. Number two is, by the way, and I'm going to give you an Easter egg, uh, when he comes in the room, if you notice, Sean jumps, or the demon jumps away from the table as far as he can go. Because the power of Christ has just walked He's in the room. He's chained to the table, but he goes back to the limit of his of his shackles. In the hair, if you look at the hair, Sean's hair, Sean made two horns out of hair, and they're standing up like in defense. He's they, in a defensive they position. Demonic, yeah. When he finds out the priest is a poser, basically, he's got he's seated his authority. The hair comes down. It's a very subtle, but you can see it if 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 you watch the movie again. Uh, but what what the problem is in the church is we cede our authority, even as Catholics. You know, the Lord says we can heal. The Lord says we can raise the dead. We, we can rebuke demons. We can do all these powerful and wonderful things. If you know, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, right? But we always give that power away. We constantly are giving that power away. Every priest I know knows a priest like, or many priests like this. You can't. You know what I do? Have told yep. us uh, you can't 
a real good priests have said, I know 10 guys like this. And okay. They, and they tend to be just cult culturally and general generationally, they tend to be the guys that are much older at this point. All the younger guys coming up are just rock solid. You, right. you don't go into the priesthood unless you're a real believer looking to do it for the right But reason. if we cede our authority, what we were trying to play for here is that it's actually a story point as well. We had to bring somebody in from the church because everybody in the audience will say, well, why don't you get a priest? You know, if he's such a, and that's why we did that, that that's to put that objection down from a story point. But the real reason when we brought it was that we wanted to show what the church is doing here. This guy literally comes over to them and says, exorcism, I've never been involved in exorcism, demons, you know, that's old fashioned thinking. And that's the problem with the world. That belief that's the did. problem with the church. What did we do in COVID? Let's shut everything down. No more mass. No more confession. No more this. No more that. They destroyed the church. Now they know, now they understand. By the way, the bad guys have figured out. Ah, this disease thing that we fabricated. That we can shut down the Catholic Church for a year, two years, and you know what? Their numbers. A lot of those people will wander. This it's incredibly evil they, they, that let's, we let's don't hold, step forward. Chuck, let's hold that thought one second. We got to take a break. You're at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. Frontline with Joe and Joe. Man, are we in the breach with Carrie Solomon and Chuck Conzelman, writers, producers, and directors of the new movie Nefarious. When we come back, we'll give you plenty. Uh, we'll let you know plenty of times where you can uh, view the movie and what's going on with it. Uh, 97 on Rotten Tomatoes. Am I right? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So the movie's got a great rating. Very powerful film. Stick around. We got another great segment uh, with Nefarious. Where there's Catholic Radio. The folks who listen deepen their faith. Families are strengthened. Parishes and communities flourish. So let people know you're listening to Veritas. Tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and his church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello. We are way in the breach with the writers, producers, and directors of the new movie, Nefarious, Carrie Solomon and Chuck Konzelman. Uh, so, guys, this has been a fascinating conversation. I'm going to hand it over to Joe. We're going to keep it going. I want to still talk about this priest deal because I want to focus in on the word authority. The priest has authority, but a husband has authority. God gave you authority when you married your wife. Why do I bring that up? Is every morning I pray for my family. I pray for them by name, and I pray uh, a prayer. I call out the devil, and I, it's a special prayer uh, from Father Rippinger, and it basically says, I'm paraphrasing, you will go to the foot of the cross by the authority of the Catholic Church, the saints, but I always qualify it before I pray it. I say, the authority I have is given to me by God and the church itself, but I have it. I have authority over my wife and over my children, and you will not touch them. Talk about that because that is something I think men don't get. You have authority over your children and wife, not like a beast like Al Bundy, but authority whereby you are a priest, a prophet, and a king in your house, and you are there to protect your wife and children, and you do that by standing by God, and that authority is real, and the devil is terrified of it. The devil is terrified. Yeah, the devil is terrified because that authority is real and legitimate. And part of what we, we were generally aware of when we started this, but it's been reinforced as we've gone through this process, 
demons are incredibly legalistic. They're always falling back on those rights which they still have uh, despite their fall. And those tend to be legalistic rights over people when we when we pull ourselves into sin and so forth. So they're all, they always understand if someone has authority over them. And a father has authority over his family, has a, has authority, spiritual authority to, to, to resist on their behalf, to order out those devils, those demons. The priest has ultimate authority in Jesus Christ. It's kind of like the, I, I, I joked uh, with a priest friend of ours about him having the power to absolve sins. And he pulled up short. He said, I don't have the power. I have the authority. The power is in Jesus Christ. I have the authority to administer it on his behalf. I'm like, that's what you have as a father in your family. You carry the authority, as you said, given to you by God, given to you by Jesus Christ. And and it's one of those things that people are just so generally unaware of these days. They're not taught it. We don't talk about it. And the demons are glad we don't. The demons are happy to keep us ignorant. I got to say, I think it's amazing. You're the first person that uh, I do the same thing, by the way. And I saw it from Father Ripperger as well. And uh, I will stand over my son, and I will tell him by the authority granted to me by Jesus Christ. Although I love the uh, the the church and the saints, uh, by the uh, to add that, and and uh, I rebuke you, and you know, go to the foot of the cross, where Jesus will do with you as He wills. You know, stay away from my son, stay away from my family. In other words, I think the Lord has put a structure into the universe. If you look at everything God does, it's ordered. It's not random. It's not. It's not chaotic. It's very ordered. This authority comes through the Bible. I mean, you read it in the Bible. It doesn't come through there. It comes through God. It comes through everything Jesus did. There is a way we do everything in the church. One of the reasons I'm not attracted to the evangelical church, and I'm not slighting them. They have a lot of good things. They have a lot of great fellowship. They have a lot of followers. I think it's a great place for them to start. Okay, but. They're all over the place. They don't, there's there's no structure, there's no tradition, there's no, you've got to have the pillars. If you're gonna build a building, uh, uh you need to have that structure, right? Well, the Lord knows that. He's given us authority to fight the battle. And like you said in the beginning, well, like you guys said in the beginning, it's been going on forever. So we have the authority since day one. The authority to do and fight evil. And if if what you were talking about with the catechism, which is true, obviously. We need to use that authority. Most people don't even know. I'm, I would guarantee you right now, if there is a thousand husbands who just heard you say what you said, they did not know that you said that, that right. they could do that. Right. And God willing, they go out and do it tomorrow morning and keep on doing it. Right. I mean, this is what, and that was the basis of the priest scene, that he was ceding his authority as a priest. He was ceding his authority that Jesus empowered him. And the minute he did it, the demon comes over. We even had Sean closes, puts his hands on the table, clasps his hands, crosses his legs in mockery of the priest, smiles right. at him, says, I should have invited you sooner. You're a chump. That's what he's doing. You're a chump. You're a loser. I'm going to see Carrie, you in hell. Carrie, I want to stay on the topic of order, okay? Because, because, uh, and you guys are right up our alley, and and what we talk about here, and the and what you what you put across in the movie through this character of Nefarious and the things that he says. Let's stay on order for a second. In order, with order, there is freedom. Now that sounds contradictory, and that's certainly to the sensibility of the modern mind. That's offensive to them. No, no, I don't want order, and that's what you get. You look out your window, and you have chaos. Now there's there's a converse, there's a conversation going on in this movie, and one of the topics they get on is freedom. And Joe and I talk about freedom on the show all the time. What we have, what we're seeing right now is chaos. We're not seeing freedom. 
okay, uh, and what true freedom is. But Nefarious says that human beings in the modern world have never been more free. I want you guys to talk about Chuck, you first. Well, uh, there's the illusion. Uh, there's the illusion of freedom by doing any anything you want, and and the demons know that that sort of freedom, to the extent that it's that leads to sin, is really slavery. You're in slavery to that sin. Uh, they, they don't phrase the nefarious doesn't phrase it that way directly, but he's he's well aware that that's what's really going on, and that it, he he comments that there are. Um, there are many more people coming to his master's house, in other words, than with the enemy. He refers to God as the enemy, mm -hmm. uh, and not to C.S. Lewis there. And uh, and and he refers to the, to uh, the adversary as his master. Um, and so he's gloating over that fact. He's gloating over the fact that people believe they're free, and yet that when they apply the supposed freedom, I mean, he quotes. He, he actually in another part of the film. He quotes, and this is the only lie that I know, but I know it's actually the first line of the Satanic Bible, as I understand it. Do what, do what thou wilt; that shall be the whole of the law. That was Aleister Crowley, right? I believe. Uh, I, I believe. That. I believe it was. I, I haven't yeah. gotten any further into it than that. But that's kind of like you know, it's the equivalent of Julius Caesar's All of Gauls divided in three parts. It's the one line everybody knows. So, uh, so we just let it go with that, uh, and that's really. I mean, that's that's. That's the road to that's the road to hell right there. You know, th you know the, I mod the modern the modern thing of just follow your heart. You know, the recently uh, the recently late Tim Keller, the great uh, Presbyterian minister from uh, Manhattan, he used to say routinely, says, "Just follow your heart, just follow your heart." Isn't that what serial killers do? Uh, you know, so it it, it really it, it's not helpful. I think no. when James Martin, the psychiatrist, says we're more free than we've ever been. Again, that comes back to look. You got the guy in the three-piece suit, good-looking, very smart, intellectual, making two hundred, three hundred thousand a year. His hair is perfect, right? We designed him that way for that reason. And he says we're free than we ever been. He starts to go and describe everything, and you realize at that very moment he's fallen for the lie. For some reason, people don't comprehend that there's a being that will lie to get what he wants, right? Though everything is a masquerade in our society now. I mean, we're being fed lies right and left. I mean, do you really believe that the government's telling us the truth? I mean, if you do, I, I feel sorry for people. I mean, the fact that we're mutilating children and we're justifying it, we're lying. It's all lies. It's everything is lies. So when he says we're freer, yes, you're putting the collar on your neck. I'll tell you a, a quick thing that we did in God's Not Dead uh, is my father's story. My father called me up one day many years ago and said to me, you know, he, he left his family. He, he divorced my mom. Uh, they did it together, but basically, and then he went and married another woman. He became very successful. He lives in Florida. He's got, he's totally a hater, nothing. He's got everything going for me. He calls me up one day and he says to me, if, if you're, if God is real, why am I this, this, and this, you know, I'm wealthy. I've got the, I've got everything I want and so on and so forth. And you've got nothing while we, you know, in the beginning we were struggling and I, and he, and basically he goes on and on and on. And what we did, he, he this, conversation was that he's sitting in a jail cell and it's the most beautiful jail cell in the world. It's got air conditioning. He's got food. People bring him food. He has sex in there. He does whatever he's going to do, but he doesn't realize one day the devil's going to come along and shut the door and lock it. And that is freedom in the society's interpretation right now. Do what you want, anything you want, that's freedom, but it's not. It's slavery. It's a collar. It's a chain Absolutely. around your neck. 
Absolutely. If you're just joining us here at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, we'll be joined by Carrie Solomon and Chuck Konzelman. They're the writers, producers, and directors of Nefarious. Real quick, guys, we'll mention it again at the end, but uh, where can folks watch the movie? Anybody that knows your movie, you know, see if it's in the movie theater, go to Fandango or whatever, or whoisnefarious.com. It'll be out on PVOD, our video on demand, on the 2nd of June. You know, we'd prefer you to see it in the theater. I will tell you the experience in the theater is much better for this movie. This movie is basically Silence of the Lambs meets C.S. Lewis Screwtape Letters. And so, you know, that conversation with Jodie Foster and mm -hmm. uh, Anthony Hopkins back up, it plays better when you're on a 40-foot screen. That's what most of the movie is, is that that one-on-one that -on -one between them, that struggle between them. You know, I thought about that watching. I'm going to hand it over to Joe. I did think about, funny enough, watching the movie that, yeah, this is kind of like, you know, Silence of the Lambs has got an eerie quality and they're going back and forth. I, I didn't think of the C.S. Lewis part, though. <laughs> I, yeah. I should have thought of that. Joe Restinello, where do you want to go? I want to talk about life, because clearly you guys are pro-life. You made Unplanned. In the film, Nefarious goes to the to psychiatrist, Dr. Martin. This is a guy. He's a big shot, smart guy, living the life. And he says, you're going to commit three murders. Now, if you said that, say, like, I work in, in the corporate arena to say, a managing director, they'd be like, what are you talking about? But then he breaks it down and you do it, I think, in a very interesting and crafting way. You basically say you, you talk about abortion, you talk about capital punishment and you talk about euthanasia, but in very palatable mainstream terms that people will say, yeah, that's fine. That's perfectly fine. And go along with it. Talk about that, because those are the three pillars of life that we're all faced with. Catholics, we vote on it. We support it. And yet we're perfectly fine with these things. Perfectly. And I thought that was a very interesting way to weave it in because he's a mainstream guy. And that's the way, frankly, Americanism rolls. I mean, I think that specifically, obviously, the euthanasia is going to become a problem. I mean, it's already a problem it's in the United States, but it's going to become a big problem because it's going to take, you know, the elder population or whoever they don't like and just euthanize them. So we wanted to bring that up, you know, plant the seed on that. But the bottom line is, and we consider it murder. I mean, we set it up in the movie and we thought it was a very smart way to bring out social issues that the devil is using to destroy life because that's what the devil does. The Lord loves the children most, best. And what does the devil do? He kills them, right? When we got to the abortion sequence, you know, we said to ourselves, if you really look at abortion, it's roar, it's murder, it's out it's outright savagery, right? Like in the ancient times. And so let's punch it right in the nose. Let's point. If people want to do it, fine. You know, you that everyone has that choice in America, unfortunately. But we want to point right at that. And in the movie, we believe we did that. He is literally having an orgasm when he stands up, a demonic orgasm over the fact that a baby. At the exact moment. At the exact moment of, of the, the slaughter of uh, that child. Death. And going Guys, back what, when I saw that scene, I got to tell you, I, I, to me, that's the most power. I, I would encourage our, our listeners, if there's one scene that would give you a reason to go watch this movie, is the scene you just described. His performance, by the way, at that moment, too. That's a difficult, I think that that was a difficult thing for an actor to do. He yeah. was, like I said, blown away. But the way you did that, I was like, this guy is is coming to a sexual climax because he's seeing 
what's what's going on with this guy's girlfriend at you know at that moment so go ahead i'm sorry chuck i cut you off no that's okay yeah. i just want to say one thing but uh, because i don't want to forget this because it's applicable the with a minute that happens by the way we're in the room we're writing and i'm on one side and chuck's on the other side of a conference table and we're doing our thing and out of nowhere the spirit drops on me and says all hell rejoices and that's the words when he orgasms literally all hell rejoices. Think of the concept of that, that one child being destroyed. And then he also says before that, he says, think of what the carpenter must feel when we rip to pieces. When we rip a child to pieces, pieces inside in, its own mother's womb. I mean, are you? I Imagine mean, the so agony. we look, maybe we were we grew up in Jersey and New York for a reason, because bam, right in the nose. Right. I mean, OK, you want to you want to go out and do abortion? Fine. But you need to know this. Boom, right in the, right in the, I mean, we, we didn't hold back, man. I mean, we showed the truth. It's the, de it's the demon saying, it's like, look, the creator creates and we destroy and we do all of it through you. We always have. And the, and the scales are starting to fall in the film. The scales are starting to fall away from the shrink's eyes. He realizes, yeah, this is the, uh, I had a part in this and this is going on because the demon is so convincing and so convinced you know, part part of what makes the film effective is that for much of the film and for his own purposes, the demon is telling the truth. Now, he's telling the truth from the demonic point of view, which is obviously corrupted, but much of it is still abs actually true. So some of these evaluations of sin are actually true. And he's just unvarnished about his presentation. And it's really just the, in other words, when you do this, we got you, we own you. And yeah. you, you you can rail against it all you want. But when you do this, we've got you. Carrie, I, I just want to, I, I want to mention one thing, and, and I want to applaud you guys for it, is you mentioned punching in the face. That's what they do to us. And I would say quite literally. I've had people, insane people in my face, praying in front of an abortion clinic in New York City, all right, getting right up in there. They're getting more violent. They bomb uh, crisis pregnancy centers. They vandalize Catholic churches. Don't worry, they do a lot of punching. What I love about you guys, when you look at movies like God's Not Dead, uh, uh, Unplanned, Nefarious, yeah, you guys punch in the face, but you do it the right way. Now, you use the, you use the medium of, of the cinema to do it. But these are punches in the enemy's face. And thank you guys and God bless you because those punches are absolutely effective. Like you said, how many people after unplanned changed their view on abortion? How many people converted to the Catholic Church after unplanned? That's how we punch people in the face. And God bless you guys for doing it. Joe Racinello. I want to talk about the conversation a little more because um, I know a little bit about exorcisms. Uh, we've had a number of exorcists on the show. And... In the beginning of the conversation, and I want to lead it towards the end, basically, uh, Nefarious says to Martin, I want to possess you. And he basically asks him to enter into him, the point of entry. And Martin laughs at him. He's basically like, you're an idiot. But whatever. Come on in. But then at the end, we see the effect of that. While he's watching the execution, uh, He's in there. He's inside of Martin. Why was his consent needed? Because this is another thing that people don't realize about, like, the devil and that of, of the reality of possession. It's real. And there has to be a point of entry 
and you put that out there. I don't know if everyone would have caught that, uh, but it was there. I need that point of entry. He got in. Talk about it. Yeah, there's always got to be a yes at some level. Uh, I mean, if we just go to, to 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 cultural, the old idea of a vampire where they needed permission to cross the threshold to come into a house, that was understandable. You know, that you had to invite them in. And then once they were invited in, you had problems. Uh, demons need some form of a yes or a permission to enter into a person. Now, that, that could be a yes through... Uh, will willful embrace of sin, particularly repeated, but uh, sometimes it's more deliberate. Um, ironically, and, and I think it's important to talk about this, um, the most interesting lecture I ever went to in college was by the Jesuit priest who was the technical consultant on the exorcist. And he said that 80% uh, minimum of possession cases start with a, with a Ouija board. Uh, the, the case that, that the original movie, The Exorcist, was loosely based on, even though they didn't put it in the movie, was started with Ouija board. And he challenged his audience and he said, what does Ouija mean? Where does the word come from? And nobody knew. He said it comes from we, French for yes, ya, German for yes. And so you're saying yes, yes to a temporary, you hope it's temporary, demonic possession. You're asking for a demon to inhabit you to be able to give you secrets, not outside, but to bring them inside. And he said, basically, on a dark night, a lighthouse is visible from very far off. When you pick up a Ouija board, you turn yourself into a lighthouse for demons. They see you from afar and they come running to be involved. So going back to that idea of the, of, two, of a father having authority, by the way, over the family or a mother, if she's listening to this, if there's a Ouija board in the house, get rid of it. Destroy it. Accept no. Okay. From an exorcist, and this was all this priest did for a living, 80% or more of all cases start with a Ouija board. It's the gateway drug for possession was the way he described it. Don't have this thing in your house. But this also goes back to structure, what we were talking before. The Lord does. Look, if the, de if the demons could just hop into people randomly, we'd be doomed. I mean, society would crumble in less than an hour. I mean, it would just be crazy. But they need they need a yes. There's there's law. The structure is the law. The same way you brought the authority to protect your family. That's given to you so you can do exactly that to protect it from infestation, obstruction, uh, assaults from the devil, and so forth. And so there's there's structure throughout the whole church and there's structure throughout the spiritual supernatural world. And we have so many gifts. The St. Michael prayer, for those who say it, is a minor form of exorcism. Confession, reconciliation, is a significant form of exorcism. What a lot the of Our Father is an exorcist prayer. A lot of what this movie is about is what happens when we go forward in our society and our culture and we abandon our traditional defenses against the demonic. I think a lot of this also, by the way, is that society has just sat back on the couch. They're letting stuff happen. They're not even trying. Look, I really am passionate about what the uh, what Joe said when he said, you know, about the punch in the face. We need to man up as Catholics. We need to take our established banner and march forward. The bottom line is the Lord gave us this authority. We are the church. We're laying down. You want to fight. You watch, like Joe said. People getting in his grill and 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 uh, all these crazy things are happening, bombing this and doing that. And people just sit back. Oh, yeah, you know, it doesn't affect me. I'm not worried. No, no, no. You're a Catholic. You need to get busy. We need to stay. Even if it's just to preach the gospel, read your Bible, go to church, go to adoration. Look, we know we've got the tools. The Blessed Virgin Mary is the most powerful creature in the universe. 
Most people don't even say a Hail Mary in a day. It's crazy. These yeah. are powers given to us. If we allow the enemy to overrun us, guess what he's going to do? He's going to overrun us. He's going to take real estate. And so we need to fight back. We need to man up. I really do believe there's a time coming when the I believe the church and, and the world is in trouble. And I, so I, I, Chuck, I mean, so we're, we're in I trouble with you. A hundred. Oh, well, Joe and I are of the opinion. I said this when I first got to Scottsdale, uh, Jesse Romero was organizing a prayer rally, three day prayer rally down in front of the Saguaro Hotel, because like they're doing in Boston now, the SatanCon conference was here. OK, and now I went there. I, I, I had to go to work, but I went one of the days and Jesse said, hey, Joe, you want to talk to people. I said, and I remember commenting, and I said this to Joe a million times, and we bring it up on the show. The greatest threat to the enemy right now is Catholic men acting Catholic. That's I didn't it. notice. I didn't say Christian. Catholic right. men acting like Catholic men. Right. That means the weapon, the rosary. Padre Pio, give me my weapon. Pulls out the rosary. Okay. Uh, Joe's always, you know, frequent, you know, availing ourselves of the grace of the sacraments. Go to confession. Doesn't mean it just because you're not in mortal sin. Well, you committed some venal ones. Go to confession once a month. Make sure you're going to mass. Make sure you're doing these things. It's the greatest threat to the devil because he can't enter. We're not giving him the room, like you guys mentioned, like Carrie mentioned you, and Chuck mentioned. We're not giving him the room to come in because we're not saying yes to him. Just by the very act of praying a Hail Mary or a rosary, we're saying no to him. Get away from me. Like Joe said, go to the foot of the cross. Get the hell away from me. And it, that's But right. that's their biggest threat. We firmly believe that here at the front line with Joe. Catholic men acting like Catholic men. Quick comment, guys, if you don't mind. Well, John Vianney, the, the devil said about Vianney. He said, if there are three men in the world like this, I would be done. It would be over. Three men. Three men at the same time. Three men at the same time. Three Catholics in the world that believe through the intensity that Vianney did. Mm. And it's and I got to say, you know, I'm a convert, so I have an advantage. I didn't have it my whole life, right? So when you get it, you really try to appreciate it. I'm proud to be a Catholic. I mean, I see people, you know, they're, they're, they're ashamed, they're hiding. Look, we can save the world. The Lord's calling us to save the world. The Lord has said that there is no greater time in history that you, than now, that no easier time than you could become a saint right now. The, the, the saints have said this, and that's because there's so much evil and it's so rampant. We need to stand up and take the cross and plant it firmly everywhere we go. And I know it's difficult. Look, I know it's difficult. It's scary. Nobody wants to die. And we're not calling people to die. What we're saying is be a Catholic. I think you hit it on the nose. The devil fears. I, I have evangelicals that work with us, okay? And I say to them, yeah, you know, we get in casual conversation, nice conversations. And I say to them, real simple, when the devil attacks, what church does he attack? Do they, do you mean, yeah, they get attacked in little ways, but he's always after the Catholic Church. Do you think there's a reason for that? The reason that the society is trying to get rid of the Catholic Church is because it's the true enemy of the devil. Yeah. We're empowered to throw him down. Now, we know we win in the end, but there's going to be damage taken between here and there. And we need to do this because the world is going to severely and, and sorely pay if we don't stand up and man up. Well, and again, that's what one of the uh, catalysts for our show was a good Catholic priest who, when I mentioned them, I said, yeah, a couple of friends said that because he knows Joe and I, a couple of friends told us we should be on the radio and this priest wouldn't let it go. I was kind of like speaking like I wasn't being serious. Joe works in a bank. I work in a restaurant. We don't get paid to do this. Um, and he goes, no, he goes, you got to do this. You got to do this because you're men, you're real men, you're strong in the faith, you're passionate for the faith, you got to get out there, you got to evangelize. And here we are five years later, and just by the grace of Almighty God and the protection of Our Lady, you know what? We're having a little bit of an impact, and hopefully we're going to have a lot more. 
Guys, we got about two minutes. I love comments from both of you. Final comments. Uh, Carrie, you first. Well, I would say one thing first before I say anything. I would just say this. I, I, you guys are fighting a good fight. We've had hundreds of interviews. I love this interview more than, than uh, uh, any of the interviews we've gotten. I think you guys are really fighting. And I think that you're a great representation of what men should be, Catholic men. And I, I agree with the priest. You guys belong on there. And you're doing your part the same way we're doing our part. Peter, Paul, John, James would not, if they were here today, final thought, if they were here today, would not go around knocking door to door. It's inefficient. They'd go out and make a movie or a TV show. Because then what happens is this, 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 hand, this is a theater in your hand. That's how we change the world. We change it through media. We change it through entertainment. We change it through what you're doing, which is part of media, because that's the way people are conditioned. It goes right into them. And I would just say to every single person, spread the word about your guy's show. We can't say thank you enough. I We're heartened because we are under assault every day. I can tell you about the demonic manifestations, but we'll have to do that one another time. But I will say minutes. this. You guys strengthen us to go forward and keep fighting. So praise you guys. Bless you both. God bless you both. And we're Thank you fight. very much. Carrie, check. Yeah, and just uh, you guys are unrepentant uh, advocates of the gospel. I love that. I would ask your viewers if they can, if they're willing to take the time to say one rosary for our protection in this business. We are alone. We get no help from studios. We get no help from the industry. As a matter of fact, we get squashed at every turn. We need some prayer coverage, guys. Absolutely. And we're going to do that. And Joe and I are going to obviously include you in our rosaries. So one more time, guys, uh, the movie, what's going on? Where could people see it? Obviously, it's still in theaters, but where are they going to be able to see it moving forward? It's not going to be in theaters for much longer. Whoisnefarious.com, Fandango, call up your movie theater, you know, find it. If you want to get to it, you're going to be able to find it. I mean, nowadays, all you got to do is just look. You might have to drive, though, at this point. And then PVOD, premium video on demand uh, through iTunes, June 2nd. Carrie Solomon, Chuck Konzelman, writers, producers, and directors of the new movie, Nefarious. Brothers, you guys are welcome back at the front line with Joe and Joe anytime. We'd love to have you back. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. God bless you guys and all your listeners. God bless you, and thank you all out there for joining us on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Two quick things. Download the app. Share it with your friends. Uh, and follow Joe and I wherever you see us on social media, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, like, subscribe, share, hit a button, do all that fun stuff. And remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.